Welcome to episode eight of the Esports Startup. I am here with a longtime startup founder, good friend of Esports One, Jonathan Weinberg of Icon slash Quarterback slash what was the other company? <laughs> there were many. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're here joined with John, Jonathan this year. He has he's a, also a startup founder in the same area as Esports One. We we uh, we got to know each other about a year ago, but. Uh, He's here to kind of give his input and advice on running a startup, being a founder, and kind of the the whole you know turbulence and up and downs that go with uh, being an entrepreneur. Jonathan, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, tell us a bit about yourself. How do you get in? Uh, how do you get in entrepreneurship? How do you you know how do you end up here all the way from uh, Israel? Oh, <laughs> actually, started when I was uh, 11 years old. I bought Harry Potter cards. Uh, mm-hmm. I took origami, put them inside, went to the community center where I lived and just took a table and started selling cards. That was f- my first entrepreneurship Did venture. Did you sell any? Yeah, many actually. Really? Yeah, I could sell them for more because of the way I packaged them, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that's no the kidding. way it started. And that was in Israel? <laughs> that was in Israel, yeah. Really? Yeah. What, and, then, and then that led, I know you, you started a couple of companies, right? Yes, correct. What, uh, what Icon is company companies? number five for no me. No kidding. Yeah. Same, same founders though, right? Same founders. Uh, we've been doing a lot, yeah. Ever since um, I left the army, that was, I think, seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started the first company, which was a software consulting company. Okay. So you'd come to us and you would say, hey, um, we want you to develop eSports One. And we'd be <laughs> like, ah, this is not a good idea. And, <laughs> but if, if you pay us enough, we're, we're, we're going to do it. Okay. Right? <laughs> and that was the first company. It grew to like 65 employees, uh, millions of dollars in revenue. And then I just figured like, okay, I got a lot of experience of running other people's things. Now I want to do something for okay. my own. Right. Next company was uh, e-ticketing company. Online uh, ticketing? Online ticketing. Yeah, no kind of like the Eventbrite, but for other geographies, like Israel, Germany, Japan. Uh, sold millions of tickets, uh, enabled like event producers mm-hmm. to run their events the, the way they wanted. Uh, third company was a mobile gaming company. We wanted to do a crossover between Rovio's Angry Birds and Supercell Clash of Clans. We wanted to take like the 2D animation and physics into a world of casual strategy okay. um, that reached like 10 million gamers worldwide. It was super, super awesome. Goodness. Fourth company failed miserably. <laughs> I was to say, it I was wondering <laughs> when the failure was supposed to come. That was supposed yeah. to, yeah. Fourth yeah. company was like, uh, yeah. Just usually, the, yeah, usually. The, but that's where we learned the most. Right, actually. really? Yeah. What how, would you learn uh, with that company? Like, what were the, what were the high points there? Uh, the don't points? do something you're not passionate about. And don't okay. do something that you don't feel like, um, this is really, really what I want to do. What was it, the company? It was about finance. Oh. What <laughs> kind of, so what leads, because that's a, that's a large sleuth of different, you know, kind of companies, all, you know, some of them tech and then you get into finance. Why, yeah. why are the different types of, of you know, startups? Uh, I think every time we saw a different need uh, and every time it grew from somewhere else. So for like the, for instance, the finance company was kind of like the idea of Venmo at the time. It just for us, like to get through the regulations and the way that it works right. and how to set up something like that it was just like, OK, we don't want to go through all of this red tape. It seemed like a cool idea between friends, um, 
but it just wasn't like something that we woke up every morning and said, yo, this is what I want to do. Right. And this was yeah. the same, same founders, same group of, uh, four of you, right? Correct. Uh, along the way. Did, have, yeah. did y'all raise any funding, uh, for those other Multiple companies? times. Yeah. So you, how much did y'all, did y'all, did you raise it for every company or how'd that work? Uh, yeah. So every company raised, like the first company was a software consulting company. It was, uh, profitable since day one because you so provide, you provide services. Right. Yeah. Actually, we, we raised a small fund out oh, okay. of the first company, and we invested like in six ventures. Uh, like our check at the time was 150 to 100, like 250K per company. Um, the second and third company, we raised capital. Okay, and then, and then, you, you, know, then you moved to starting what was quarterback at the time. And uh, yes. what, what led you to come, come out to L.A.? I think for me, it was a long childhood dream. Right. Ever since I, I started companies, ever since I, I looked like uh, and I wanted to grow something big, I was like, OK, I, I need to be in California. I need to be in the United States. At the beginning, I, th I thought maybe I need to be in San Francisco and I spent a year there. And I just found that in our space, everything that has to do with gaming and esports, Los Angeles is just a much, much better location. Uh, whether it comes to the talents, whether it comes to the companies uh, that here, whether like even startups, publishers, so on and so forth. Right. And after all, this is the capital of entertainment and the pinnacle of entertainment is gaming. Did you know that when you like, did you decide to start quarterback once you moved to L.A. or before? What was oh, now it was before. So the ideation of quarterback started in two very separate times in my life. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something with gaming uh, because I've, I've been a gamer ever since I remember myself. So when I was 13 years old, I developed servers for online games. Um, Back in the time, it was like ME Online, for instance. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever played those. MMO, oh, absolutely. MMO I mean, I did the same thing. I had a game <laughs> server company when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old, web hosting company. I did. Sounds like we had a very similar sort of uh, yeah. you know, timeline. Yeah. So f from that perspective, it was like, okay, gaming is like super passion of, of something that I, I, I want to do and I want to develop something. Um, in 2017, I went to Vegas. Uh, oh, MLG Vegas. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I saw this Call of Duty competition and I saw this beautiful girl running towards the guy with a joystick asking for his autograph. And for me, the whole gesture was, okay, this is the new quarterbacks, right? This is the new quarterbacks, hence the name, right? Those esports professionals, oh, okay. those like gaming celebrities are becoming the new mainstream quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And that gave me like... I wanted to understand more. I wanted to to dive into how do gaming fans and gaming creators interact with each other, how their days look like, what's their pain points, and how do they monetize, and that's that's where the idea of quarterback came to life. And then, and so you come out here for for Vegas. Um, at at that point, where you already moved, did you live in in the states, or were you still back and forth? No, I was still back and forth. It okay. was just like a visit. Um, like I just wanted to go to the competition just to Got have it. fun. And then yeah. what, what kind of led to you starting, you know, deciding to actually start quarterback, move out to L.A.? Like how did, how did that process work? Because you still had your other founders as well that you had been mm -hmm. working with. Like what's that process? It just I think once like an idea that sinks in and that you truly believe and it just takes control of your body and mind, that you can't sleep. The only thing that you're thinking about are like, I have to do this before somebody else does. Right. And I have to do this because this is something that I think could be really big and could make me really happy. And I think that's every entrepreneur mindset. I think you feel feel the same way. Right. Uh, the moment that it happened in, in Vegas, I just called all my co-founders and I told them, listen, there's something huge here. 
that is finally fit with the way that we do things and uh, fits with our passion to gaming and, and we have to do it. And this is the idea. And I, I laid down to them the whole plan. And from then it was just simple. I just moved here, started the company, raised the baby seed, the pre-seed. How much was that? That was uh, $500,000. And so what, yeah. how did you, you know, you have an idea, how do you, how do you raise $500,000 like that? Um, I would say the, the start for me was, um, I wouldn't say easy because I don't, I don't think any entrepreneur, unless they sold a lot of companies before, right. if they say it was easy, something is wrong, <laughs> right? Uh, but because of the track record, because of the history running companies, I already had connections and relationships with investors. And I told them, listen, this is the big thing that I'm going to work on. Um, I was fortunate to have an, a, like a US VC that's invest in pre-seed and seed companies. Uh, and I talked to them and they invest in Israeli entrepreneurs that move to the United States, to San Francisco, to California. Um, and at the time, like, like we've been in touch, I think for three years before this venture. And he told oh. me like, the moment that you're moving to the United States, tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well. And so I told him, hey, I'm moving to the United States. This is the new idea. This is the market. This is what I'm going to do. And he was like, we want to be a part of it. And that was the beginning. How do you how do you establish that sort of relationship with someone? Like, how do you how did you get, you know, that relationship with uh, someone that invest in, you know, in uh, startups or Israeli startups? Like, how did that all kind of how did you first get that that relationship off the ground? Because one thing I, I hit on last week when we were talking to one of our uh, one of our investors was, you know, you have the investors that you have now, like those, those, the best VCs, the best investors that, that are, you know, there for your company and that work with you or ones that you've developed a relationship with, you know, across a year, two years, like you've, you've worked on, you've met with for coffee, you've sat down with, you've had phone calls, you've had meetings. Like how, how did that kind of unfold for you with this investor? I think, um, there's some idea out there that entrepreneurs and investors are two very different kind of animals. Uh, I don't think so. I think mm -hmm. it's at, at the down, like at the end of the day, we're humans and we're looking for human interactions and we're not only looking for something like, Hey, there's something that I need, I need from you. If I reached out to the investor by the time that I need the capital, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, this is a person that I'm going to work with for a long time. This is a person that is going to, administer and give his advice right to what what we're doing in a company and I want to make sure that we are aligned the way that we're thinking and we have a good relationship right so the same way kind of like we met right uh, hey Matt there's really cool startup in the esports world let's sit and get get to know one another and mm -hmm. the first thing that we did was not talk about business the first thing that we did is went to Vegas yeah yeah <laughs> right? we did yeah I think we met what we we met for coffee one day early on didn't we yeah, we, the first the first time was uh, coffee back when you we were WeWork, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. the first time was coffee. We just had lunch, and, and it was the beginning, beginning, beginning for both of our companies. Yeah, because I think you we had uh, mutual investors. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah that was over a year year and a half ago, and we uh, we kind of uh, sat down, got to know one another, and and uh, have kept up with uh, you know each other's startups ever since. So let's go ahead and jump into what is now Icon. Uh, originally quarterback, I guess to to kick things off before we get into more of the uh, you know the nuts and bolts of running a startup. Maybe tell us a bit about what you know what is Icon. Icon is the first gaming challenge platform for gamers. 
And the way that it works is we give any gamer the ability to create any type of challenge or experience he or she wants on top of any game. So for us, um, and again, I'm going back to the story of me, 13 years old, develop like servers. I wanted to, like at the beginning was like I have all the power in the world to do whatever I want. And at the beginning, I just did like became the best of the game. And in a day or two, it became boring, right? The next thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to challenge more. I wanted to increase the level of challenge. I wanted to increase the way that how I, like my friends and I are playing the game. Um, the cool thing about Icon is that not only that it gives this experience and engagement between friends or fans with their gaming creators, it also supports the gaming creator who created the challenge. So every time a fan is playing a challenge, he supports he or she supports his fav uh, favorite gaming creator. So let, let's use an example. So you say you're, you know, what, what would be an example of, uh, for you and I to, uh, you know, to participate in a challenge, like run, mm -hmm. run through an actual real life example. So Matt is a superstar in Twitch, okay. right? Yes, <laughs> I agree. You agree. So I'm watching Matt and Matt is playing League of Legends. And what usually Matt does is he plays and as he plays, there's the peaks and valleys of what happens in the game, right? There is the moment that you just farm or just play. And there's the moments where there's something amazing that happens. When there's something that amazing, what Matt can do, he can take that specific moment and create a challenge out of it for all of his fans, me included. Um, and the way that he does it is super simple. He said, okay, this is something I just did in the game. I just did this amazing triple kill that was like unheard of. Mm -hmm. It wasn't supposed to happen, but it happened. I want to see out of all of my fans and friends, I want to see if somebody can do something better than this, okay. right? So he takes that footage in a few clicks and he just says, hey, here's the challenge for you to do. And what we do is we give them the tools to share it, monitor every gameplay that his fans are doing let uh, all the gamers share their best moments and let him decide who's the best, right? And this is like one of his Yeah, I, I remember when you told me about the, I, you know, what you were doing early on. I always thought that was a really cool, uh, you know, idea because, uh, you know, you could, in the same way that, you know, uh, I was out on Venice uh, at the skateboard park, like watching people during, I think it was Mother's Day, like a couple of weeks ago, and watching you know some of the people some of the skateboarders like perform these tricks and and do all these different jumps and everything and then some of the younger kids were trying to do the same thing and trying to you know essentially you know mimic what the older guys were doing and you know that correlation to esports is still a little bit missing so it's like look you know how providing some sort of uh you know platform that makes you know that brings that sort of real life example into esports is is you know is the a lot of where the crossover of you know the, or the next level of what where esports is heading i guess you'd say is like if think looking at what's being done in traditional sports like throwing a 60 yard pass or you know or shooting a you know last second shot at the buzzard sort of deal like mm -hmm. you know being able to do that same thing in east in, in gaming is and is something that people aspire to do they just there's no way to track it. You got sounds like you guys were the ones that are are bringing that to, to life, right? Yeah, and think about the gaming creators here, right? At the end of the day, if you look at traditional sports, right? Let's take basketball for example. Um, I might love the Golden State Warriors, and I might love Stephen Curry. Probability of me playing basketball is slim, right? Right. 
In esports, it's completely the other way around. People play 7x more time rather they, than they watch, and 94% of the people that watch play. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, that what the friends are doing is playing. So for us, is how can we give gaming creators the ability to become a part of their fans' gameplay and to engage and monetize throughout like the vast majority of time? Right. Um, so for us, it's much, much more than just the experience of like one challenge. It's how can I become a part of what you guys are doing? Um, like if, if you think about all the models of the big social networks that there is today, it's usually... Uh, especially for gaming creators, it's a m- one-to-many model. I'm a broadcaster, I stream for everybody, and then everybody is like right. commenting or chatting, right? Um, I create a video, I upload it, and then people watch and comment. Here it's like the other way around. I want to see what everybody do when they're playing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that sense of community, that sense of validation outside of the realm of the game, right? So I, I can... I can climb up ranks how much I want, but if I want social validation, the first thing I do is I take a clip and I share it, right? Um, how amazing would it feel for you or for me if I get to share the clip with Superstar Matt and <laughs> get Matt to say, hey, this was actually unbelievable. And then they share it with all their f- fans. And, and uh, how, how, how did you, you know, I remember when, I was first starting esports one and kind of some of the early pitching that I did to, to investors. A lot of it, it, it always would kick off with explaining what esports was and, and, you know, and helping trying to correlate traditional sports to esports and, you know, how I can make this very clear that, you know, three years or two and a half years ago, esports is, is going to be massive. What was that experience for you kind of talking to investors early on and trying to you know, help them understand, hey, this is an industry that, you know, is, is more than just someone playing video games in their basement. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking to people who didn't understand what esports was, at the beginning, it, it's all about education, right? It's about like explaining to them, hey, this is the new market. This is how it works. This is the players. This is the, the companies. And this is the business models that are potential, potentially could grow. But I found that when I talked to people who actually understood esports, understood gaming, um, the conversation went much, much better. And did I th- you, how did you find those people though? Like, cause like from an investment standpoint, are you, are you searching for people that already understand your industry or, you know, cause the, that could be few and far between if you're coming up into an industry that's just getting started. Right. I think for us, it was like, we were grateful to have advisor and investors that were super bullish on the, on the market mm-hmm. from the start. And then when we wanted to run our seed round, um, like we were grateful to be to talk to people that established the world of esports from the beginning. Um, so for us, that was that was the story. Again, when we found ourselves talking to people who don't understand esports, it's just a very, very, very hard. Like, do you have sort of an approach yeah. like when it comes to that? How do you like? Is there, you know, just from example from my you know uh, using what what I've kind of uh, compared, I always would compare eSports one. So I would always take it back to traditional sports. So I'd always say, you know, I would use NFL as an example of, you know, either taking game stats that are shown on the screen or a commentator's experience as like Tony Romo or Troy Aikman, you know, their, com- you know, their, their experience when commentating a game, how they have all these spreadsheets and, and pieces of paper and like, 
And I would always take it back to traditional sports as a analog to uh, analog to esports. What how what was your sort of approach? You know, when it came to to talking to people that didn't understand about esports. Yeah, I think it was kind of similar, and, and I, I think today is much easier than what it was Absolutely. a couple of years ago, right? It's because of all traditional sports investors and traditional sports companies investing into esports, right? Like right now, there's a strong belief and agenda that investing in an esports team, for instance, um, today I'm investing ten or fifteen million or fifty million in an esports franchise. In a couple of years, that franchise becomes the Chicago Bulls, right? right. Or it becomes uh, the next Golden State Warriors. That's a good business, right. right? Do you think that's the right approach? Like, do you think teams are the right right way to, uh, you know, for investors to, you know, to, to put their money and, and, and think that's where uh, the best investment, I guess, would be? I don't know. I think, uh, I think we see a lot of it. Uh, and I think it's super unique because if you look at the traditional like, investments from Silicon Valley, you're investing in a team. Team is people. People is not technology most of the time. It's like a very weird animal that's, mm-hmm. that began in, in, in the scene. But I think, it's, I think it's crucial. I think it's a part of all of it. Right. So getting going into kind of just running a startup, like what are some of the uh, you know, challenges that you've, you know, you've kind of ran into since? And I, now I won't speak for you here, cause I, I, but I, you know, since you started quarterback and, and brought it you know, over to the States, like maybe walk through like just what that experience was early on, whether it's working out, you know, uh, updating investors or, you know, working with team members. I know that you've had, you know, uh, you know, ups and downs with employees, just like we have, like, you know, maybe talk about some of the, you know, some of the highs and lows that you've, uh, ran into with, uh, with running your company. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that I started to invest much more time on is learning how to tell a story. Uh, my mind shifted completely from my previous businesses, who I ran in, like uh, which I ran in Israel, from numbers. What important is the, num- the numbers? What important is the results? To how do I take these results? How do I take these numbers and I weave them into a compelling story? Because um, here everything is Disney, right? Here everything is, hey, I, I, I want to. I want to understand the way, like, why should I care about this? And the numbers are not compelling enough for me to care. The story is a completely different, like, it's completely different. Is that more for, for, you know, outward facing or is that more internal for, like, your employees? Both, both, definitely. Um, And and that's the next part, like, uh, the next challenge, if we're talking about challenges that we faced, is the culture of work here is completely different than the culture that I was used to. The most important part of your company is your employees. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't understand that you work for them more right. than, they, than they work for you, uh, it's a bit of a problem. But the way that to motivate them is completely different. Also, here there's a much more, like, work-life balance. Like, people like to work when they work and take, like, when they go home and that's it. Uh, As founders, that's kind of hard to... You know, yeah, to it's understand. It's, yeah, for us, for us, it was like really hard for us to understand because it was like, hey, you didn't finish your meet, like you had a deadline, you didn't meet your deadline, um, and then just understanding how to set up deadlines in a way that everybody can do them, right? So that was a big challenge at the beginning. And understand that, yeah, maybe the way that you work as a, a founder is definitely, you know, different than than that of a employee or you know or someone that's on your team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what, 
what else, like, I guess, uh, when it comes to the day-to-day of running a company, like, you know, or, or just working with investors, how often do you say, you know, how often do you speak with your investors? Uh, so, once a week, at least. What, what with, sort of, what does that look like? Like, what are they, what are they asking for? Or what are they, you know, what is, what is that conversation typically kind of entail? They almost never ask for anything. Usually kind of we ask, in. no, usually we ask them. Usually like we, we have an idea, we have something that we want to run by them. And then we say, hey, um, this is something that we're considering. This is the pros, this is the cons. What do you think? What do you think we should do based on your experience? And um, each of our investors have a completely different mindset for different things. We have investors that are much more oriented for marketing, much more oriented to product, much more oriented to operations. And each one of them brings a completely different light to what we're doing. Um, so do you feel like that, that's yeah. too many, like, in a way, it could be like too many cooks in the kitchen sort of deal. Like you have a lot of, you know, voices coming from multiple directions or is that beneficial for from your you know i think if if you understand that you're the main cook and you need to make a decision at the end of the day and you to me like you need to make the decision swiftly because time is the strongest tool that a startup has um time and speed i would say then you're good um it's important to listen to other people's opinion it's important like Many, 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 many times we do completely opposite <laughs> of what of what we hear because we believe in something else. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. Um, so that's what that's what I think about it. Yeah. yeah. So now that you've, uh, how big's the team at this point? Today we are twenty six. Twenty six employees. Yes, twenty six employees. How many here in LA? Fourteen. Wow. Uh, what what point do you start thinking about? Like, you know, do I? You know, am I preparing for my next round of funding, or how do I, you know, you know, because one, one thing from from personal experiences, you know, in a way, you're always you're always raising capital. So I'm always, I've, you know, before after we closed our seed round, within the first month, I'd already met with, you know, I was already meeting with 10, 20 different VCs just that wanted to check in just to start getting them on the radar for once we started doing our Series A. Uh, you know, are, how often do you think personally, are you thinking about like, you know, that the financial side one and then raising more capital? Is it the other part? Mm-hmm. I think our jobs is like to ensure the financial health of our companies. Right. So at any given moment where I feel like, oh, like at the end of the day, it's an equation of runway and results. So when you feel the, like, as, like you said it before, as a founder, you're always raising capital. Um, so if you feel that I have really strong results that can support my next round of funding, so you do that, right? Um, From a runway perspective, what do you kind of, where, where do you see like the, you know, where's like the concern? Like where do you start saying, okay, now, now we're, you know, we're starting to hit that tipping point, like, you know, we need to start either making changes or start raising more funding or, you know, what, what is that sort of tipping point for you? I think, again, it comes back to the tipping point is the results, right? If, if you have results and how much time left you have, right? So if you have 10 months left and your results are pretty good, then you're saying, okay, I have pretty good results. I can do it now. I can do it a bit later. If I have better results, then you take your time a little bit. Um, I'd say from my experience, any fundraising process takes between three to nine months. Okay. Um, and like until it gets to the bank, sometimes much, much, much faster if you're trending and if you have momentum and sometimes longer if you need to, for us at the beginning of the first round took time. How do you build the narrative? How do you feel in, like do you fit in into the culture here? 
was very different, even with the experience before of raising capital and uh, successful companies. How many meetings do you think you typically, like from your last rounds, does it, does it take to get from, you know, uh, that first meeting to money in the bank? Like how many meetings with like a potential investor, would you say? Uh, total investors or with an investor that is just interested. like your lead investor or your you know one of your main investors so the beautiful thing is uh, you, you can meet with 10 20 50 investors right the moment that investors are excited it goes really fast yeah once <laughs> right? you're that fun time that lead investor that's someone that can be your advocate yeah. absolutely um, so now you're now you know you guys have changed what what kind of I guess what I guess to take just a quick step back what led from you changing the name from quarterback to icon couple of things. Um, first and foremost, when we talked to our audience, they said like, hey, this has nothing to do with gamers. This has not, nothing to do with the way we think of things. It's uh, When I think about quarterback, I think about sports. By the way, if I'm not American, it doesn't mean a lot to me. If I am American and I look quarterback, I, I get team or... Like football team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Football team. <laughs> I get right. teams, I get other people. Like it. So for us was, okay, from an SEO perspective, from a brand perspective, what we want to be, how do we encapsulate the idea of quarterback into a new name? Thus came Icon. What is a quarterback? Quarterback is an icon. How do you come up with a new name? Like, because I know naming a company in itself is, is something I wouldn't wor- wish on my worst enemies. Like, it is the most tedious, <laughs> just mind-numbing, just god-awful thing that you can imagine because... Not only are you having to find a name that isn't trademarked, isn't copywritten, find the domains that are available, you know, hope that there's some sort of social media available that you can use, like, you know, all these different things. So what, how, what was the process of coming up with that new name? We were fortunate to work with a brilliant, brilliant guy named Brandon Cox. And he's, uh, he's just genius. We, we sat together and there's a whole, like... The whole brainstorming process, and, and I, I, I agree with you, it's a excruciating, <laughs> the process of creating a new brand. And because it's your baby, everything feels not like it's not good enough. It's not big enough. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's the best thing. Like, I want to hear it. I want to see it. I want to feel like this is, this is it. And for me, it was a lesson in like, you have to let go a little bit to, to let other people look into what you're doing. And give you ideas and tell you like this is what I feel and if they are experienced in the field and the experience in the way that consumer brands work. Um, so did they did yeah. Brandon? Did, are you saying Brandon's one that came up with a name for for Icon? Yes. How did that? You know, how did that come to be? Really, like, what were y'all just in a room? Everyone's like. Oh, there was a process of months and day and nights uh, going over different names, going over like... uh, How many names do you think you guys have looked at? (sighs) Too many to count. Like thousands? (laughs) Not thousands, but dozens. Um, Like if you look at thousands, your process is wrong. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) very convoluted. How do you you decide, you know, all right, that name sounds really good. Then then what do you look for? Like how do you decide? A couple of things. You want to... Uh, you want to give it out to a couple of your key customers and you want to see how they react. And then you want to see domains, obviously, and you want to see if the, the domain that you want, whether it's .gg, like, like we did, or .com, or whatever it is. You spelled the name, it was I-K-O-N, K-O-N. Right? Yeah. yes. Is uh, that, I mean, that kind of makes sense. And I, I, love, I love the name, but it's, it's from a, just a naming, you know, it's just easier, I guess, mm-hmm. like 
and and it looks cooler. Did, yeah. Was there a, was that a conscious decision to to use a K? Yeah, the K the came right when when the name came the the K came with it. It was like we wanted something relevant but a little bit unexpected, right? And to make you feel like oh this is something that I'll remember. Also, if you take the the, the four letter letter words right, mm-hmm. and you look at big companies Nike, N I K E Nike. Nike, yeah. Nike, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we call it Nike. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ikea, yeah. right? Uh, Nikon. Um, many, many, many companies, um, big companies. Like two syllable. You yeah, know, word. two syllables, yeah. four letter word. Oh, no, it's really, and I think that's, you know, because nowadays a lot of companies are, to come up with a new brand, you either have to add like an LY, you have like Bitly or... You know, you know, uh, I don't know all the words like Twitter, you know, Lee or something, or you add like double R's or double vowel, you know, uh, vowels or, and it's like, you know, how do you come up with a new brand with all the different companies nowadays are looking at so many different avenues of like how do I name my company and and have something that sticks. What about social media for you guys? And you came came up with a really good name. Dot GG is something that. From a domain extension has really called on within esports um is that you know one what was the uh, you know mindset of going with the dot gg and then how does that translate to social media or do you even think about social media when mm-hmm. you come up with a name yeah of course um the dot gg came really you have like three options when you're running a i think when you're running in like an esports company um most of the time it's either dot com dot tv or dot gg mm-hmm. Um, Twitch.tv is about broadcasting. Uh, GG is usually resonated with things that you need to play, things that you do when you're playing, uh, which obviously what our company is about. It's the play time, not the view time. Um, and .com is always good to have. Yeah, you can find it without it being like 13 <laughs> can, letters or yeah, something. Yeah, but four-letter words, .com is like, no matter what... like you're you're like <laughs> 20 grand, 30 yeah. grand domain yeah. there. And then social media? And social media, it was like, okay, uh, let's see what other, like, a lot of it is taken, uh, but you can always do, like, some sort of combination that feels right. So for us, it was Play Icon. Okay. And you did that across all the social media, Play Icon? Yeah. Um, And was that, you know, were those active accounts or something that you just, like, started from? from Started from the ground up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So now that you're, see, the company's been going for, what, about two years now? How long have you been around? About two years now. Yeah. For employees, what's sort of next for for you guys? Like where where you see where you see head, things heading from here? From here is, I think it's my favorite. It's the, my favorite part. Uh, we launched a new product. We launched a new brand. Um, now it's the time to let it breathe and to see how, like one of the things that because we're focusing on creators and because we're giving a platform for creators to do whatever they want, it's truly amazing to see what how people take it and how people use it. And we're super surprised to see that some of the things that we thought were like, ah, this is a small thing, but we're going to have it, uh, are much more important than things that we thought, oh, this is a big thing. This is what every, everybody's going to do. And, and this is the part where, where you fall in love with the product and you fall in love with the way, with the market and the way that people do things. And for us, the next part is like, keep iterating, keep finding out like, feedback and keep listening talking to, to the what, users yeah. yeah most important thing you can do is talk to your users and find out what what they like and what they don't like right yes yeah so so you know 
two years in, you're you're iterating, got a new brand, company's growing. Are you hi- are you aggressively hiring right now, or what are you guys doing? Uh, of- so we are hiring, not aggressively at, as aggressively as we did a couple of months ago. What roles uh, are mainly open? Are you guys look to fill. So we're open? still looking for graphic designers, uh, UX UI. We're What's looking- the hardest role for you guys to fill? The hardest role, I think, the hardest role for me to like to, to find somebody was a VP marketing, and now we're fortunate to to have hired a mm-hmm. super strong VP marketing at the beginning, um, because everybody knows like people that work in marketing and people that work in sales are so compelling, and it's really hard to like to find, it, especially if they have 10, 15, 20 years of experience. Right. And it's like, okay, wow, how do I pick the right one? Um, again, we were fortunate to have such a strong network, and we just. And you have to, yeah. yeah. This took the, us nine months. Storyline took nine months. Nine months know? to find a VP marketing, Goodness and, and we we ran into like at least fifty candidates. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like our CTO hiring our CTO because you have to, you know, a really good one is for a startup. You're gonna have to buy. You have to sell them on joining a startup because they can, you know, for the most part, can work wherever they want to. So, getting their buy-in. Well, cool, Jonathan. Well, it's been really great having you in here. Is there anything else you kind of want to you want to close things out with, or anything else you want to say? No, I think uh, I just want to say that I think this podcast is a strong force uh, in the ecosystem. I think it's important, and I think um, you're doing amazing. Appreciate it, it man. Yeah. Well, uh, well, it's great having you. I'll, we'll definitely have you in uh, again soon. And and uh, and for anyone out there listening, be sure to, to join us on Slack. Our Slack's in the, the show notes. Or check us out on social media. And then obviously you can find Jonathan at icon.gg or online Jonathan Weinberg. But until next time, talk to you then.